Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host Ryan here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find The Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6NERDS5. Oh man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. podcast bold enough to record inside a village in i am your temporary host zach eastman that's right i'm back ryan decided to neglect his hosting duties so i decided that we could have the show coincide with my scheduled coffee time so i brought along with me uh, as always is Hey, it's me, Brad. <laughs> hey, Brad, welcome back. I you bet that's another voice you didn't expect to hear. <laughs> so, yeah, you're getting like uh, a, a different set of real nerds this week. Yeah, it's 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 the more um, we since we're recording inside a village, and it's kind of hard to not want to do the welcome to NPR real nerds. <laughs> I know. We're here. Recording. I feel like everyone can hear us. And if they are, then they're just going to think like we're big celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are we? Why are they interviewing each other over there? <laughs> it's a it's a game. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the gay section we're pretty isolated but we're still within like everyone's view yeah we have these red mics and i'm sure we're drawing a lot of attention yeah but don't worry we'll uh we'll uh we'll make sure that the man in the fisherman's hat is the only person we have to worry about here at the village inn because if you upset the man with the fisher's hat on then you're screwed I don't get that reference. Uh, there, there's no reference. Oh. It's just common knowledge throughout any diner. You mess with the man with a fisherman's hat on, we got a problem. Alrighty. We'll need a duck. So we'll just make sure not to offend that guy. Truckers, I don't care. Let's go ahead and make fun of them all night. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, cool. Well, what do we do on Real Nerds? We don't make fun of truckers. We um, we go see a movie each week. This week we saw Samurai Cop 2. That's right. Was it the most amazing thing that has ever been seen by human eyes? think we're going to find out later on in the show uh we also review um what we've been watching this week we go over box office numbers and we talk a lot about movie news and um blu-ray releases blu-ray releases there we go so we have a lot of things to tackle and i think we're gonna start off with movie news this week Um, so, have you seen Spectre? Uh, yeah, I was actually going to save that for my uh, for your uh, what you've what been, I've been watching because I missed last week's show. Okay. Um, well, there's been um, Christoph Waltz has said he would want to return to the role of uh, uh, Blofeld. Blofeld. Yeah, let's just say it. It's Blofeld. <laughs> we we reviewed it last Ernst week on the Stavros show. Stavros Blofeld. <laughs> Ernst Blofeld. Welcome, James. <laughs> um, cool. His quote is directly as saying, it depends on the story. It depends on the story. 
We need to jump ahead. We don't need to jump ahead. Let's round out this one off first and let's see if it makes sense. It needs to make sense. If it doesn't, you don't see, you, you get what you, we see mostly. I can't do a straightforward <laughs> Christoph Waltz impression. His voice is just so damn charming. Yeah, all that time to rehearse. Yeah, I know, and I, I fucking blew failed. it. I know. Wait, what are you gonna do, man? You, 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 you get what you, you get what you get with for. Me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. I, I'd like to see him back, um, and I'll talk, I, I guess, later in the show about why I'm. I wouldn't mind him coming back, even though it's, everyone else seems to have panned that movie. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I like Spectre. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. Yeah. Like, as far as like, if we're gonna compare Skyfall to Spectre, they're on different levels completely. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, it's official. The Golden Globes are classifying The Martian as a comedy. What do you make of that? Uh, yeah, all those pratfalls that Matt Damon did <laughs> definitely deserve it. My favorite part was when Jeff Daniels threw a pie in the middle of the uh, NASA control station. It was a very unexpected performance, yeah. to be sure. And they did, like, those little stick figure drawings to, like, get the <laughs> signal to NASA. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like, if I, and, and the whole point of it was, if I think it, wish it, want it, I will it. You know, like, so there was a good-hearted message at the end of that really sweet comedy. Exactly. Um, no, uh, I don't think this is right at all. I don't think this is right at all, but there was that part of uh, when he was like isolated in his, uh, you know, Mars station, and he jerked off, and the splooge went in his hair. <laughs> oh gosh! And got stuck. That is an instant comedy classic yeah. moment. You remember the like the one part where he's driving along with uh, um, Dom DeLuise in his car and his moon in his lunar rover, mm-hmm. and then suddenly they just run into Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin as dressed as priests and. Uh, all things went on chaotically, you know. Like it was way better than Cannonball One, so you know yeah. I gotta I gotta give them up for it. I guess they're getting the right comedy makes sense. They might be getting the right classification for it. I don't know. Um, as you can tell, we're being very sarcastic. <laughs> this is yeah. I'm not surprised though. Like there's that one year the tourist was like a comedy listed as best comedy. Um, that didn't Johnny make Depp, me... Angelina Jolie. You've probably forgotten it, so let me describe it for you. <laughs> Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie, um, globe trotting as jewel thieves. I don't know. No one saw it. I love Johnny Depp, but I didn't see it either. So, yeah. Anyway, that's um, that's what that is. Um, the, not a lot on the news front, really. Um, Amazon's head of um, uh, programming has des- described their new strategy for how they're going to release the new Woody Allen movie or miniseries and the Spike Lee miniseries as um, or not miniseries. Spike Lee is doing a movie for them um, called Chirac. Um, but basically, he described the platform deal and how it's going to work out. Um, and I'm uh, Roy Price has said that the um, uh, has said that these new uh, programs will be. Uh, uh, driven to coordinate globally, and he has expanded his area of oversight beyond original content production and licensing and acquisitions, according to Variety. The reason it is helpful is to coordinate license activities and original activities so they are serving the same ends. So basically, like, the whole point is to try to spread this out as wide as possible, which for Woody Allen's stuff can totally work. 
I don't know if Chirac is going to be the widest audience possible, but it could get one of those um, notices that some films get for worldwide attention. Have you seen the trailer for Chirac? No. I know I know not all you guys are big Spike Lee fans, but I think this is a return to form for him. Okay. If we're going to be completely honest here. Yeah, um, I, I've never seen his acclaimed stuff and all of the... I think the only thing I have seen is Old Boy and uh, Inside Man, so not if, good if barometers for. If, if you're gonna watch anything, watch um, Do the Right Thing. That's or, or Malcolm X. Those are his two best ones. Um, and then the last piece of news really is that uh, Tracy Morgan, who is thankfully returned to the media and uh, to uh, public appearances after his terrible crash, is going to be playing Red Fox in the Lee Daniels Richard Pryor biopic, which. If you've watched Sanford and Son before, you know who Red Fox is. Um, it actually makes perfect sense in terms of casting. Like, I, I know you don't normally do casting news, but I thought this was pretty interesting seeing how it's Tracy can back out there and stuff like that. So it's a Richard Pryor, bi- Pryor biopic, so he's he'll, just a side character? Yeah, so he'll be just a side character, but it's still pretty good casting, and the script is being done by Bill Condon and Danny Strong. Uh, Bill Condon, of course, did Gods and Monsters, and Danny Strong did The Butler. And Lee Daniels did Lee Daniels the butler. And Lee Daniels did Lee Daniels did Lee Daniels did Lee Daniels did Lee Daniels. Did Lee Daniels. Did Lee Daniels do it all day. <laughs> so the, that's the news. All right. Cool. Thanks, Zach. Not a problem. Um, if you're still tuning in to us, we're going to move on to Blu-rays. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Right on. Let's do it. The encoded information on this disc is read by a laser beam. Hmm. That means that the picture and sound quality must be far superior to videotape reproduction. Um, not a lot this week. Uh, just kidding. Uh, there's a ton of editions of The Hobbit. Uh, let's see. The Battle of Five Armies. It's extended editions because the regular ones already came out. But you have a lot of choices to choose from. You can get the extended edition Blu-ray. There's a uh, 3D version with the figurine that you can get. It looks like a... Um, Gandalf and Bilbo, like, sitting together, chatting. Oh, from that final shot in the film, yeah. Yeah. Then you can get the uh, the entire trilogy extended edition uh, Blu-ray, and then there's a 3D version of the entire trilogy. Probably in the, It looks like the same box as the uh, Lord of the Rings extended Blu-ray. And then uh, there's a non-3D version with the figurine of Gandalf and Bilbo, so... Got a lot of uh, got a lot of ways to get your Middle Earth on. Yeah, you've you've you're covered. There's pr- plenty of cool ways to keep it on your shelf. Uh, the Man from Uncle is coming on Blu-ray this week. Um, I enjoyed that movie. Zach, did you see it? I haven't seen it, but I, from what uh, James told me, it was a uh, combination of like old James Bond movies and also kind of made fun of them at the same time. Yeah, like a sleeker type of. Uh, it, was, it was really witty. Bond. I give it that. Nice. Yeah. Well, I like Guy Ritchie, and I like Sherlock Holmes and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, so I'll definitely check it out at some point. Wasn't a big fan of Snatch, but you know what's crazy is um, uh, obviously Henry Cavill's Superman, but um, what's his name here? The other guy, the Lone Ranger. Oh, Army Hammer. Army Hammer. He was rumored to be up for uh, Batman at one point. Uh, before, before Christian Bat- Bale, or Christian Bale, I think during the Christian Bale days, yeah. So this was the early, early, early casting rumors. Yeah, this and is, so this is pre-Batfleck. 
And so it's funny that they kind of ended up like so, yeah, kind of potential ba- Batman against the Superman cat. Yeah, yeah, it was, that's like the, it's the Batman v Superman that almost was. Yeah, but will never be <laughs> because we get Batfleck guys, and it's going to be amazing. That's Just right. Watch. Did I, I think I told Ryan this? Uh, no one ever seems to mention that Ben Affleck is like the one actor who's played both Superman and Batman. Like no one's done that, and that's. <laughs> Like if there's anyone else, people would may be making a big deal out of it because it's Ben Affleck. They're kind of keeping it on the down low. We should explain for the audience at home. Uh, there was a movie back in 2006 called Hollywood Land, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Alan Bell, who um, essentially it's about the death of George Reeves, who played Superman on the Adventures of Superman television show that ran in the 50s. And Ben Affleck plays George Reeves, and you do see him in the Superman tights. Yep. And uh, oddly enough, it doesn't look too far off from the tights that we get in the new Man of Steel either, except for the underwear. They always had to go with the underwear in that yeah. one, which I'm glad they kind of got rid of, to be honest. But I, I forget in the in the movie they had this. The suit was just gray and dark gray because most of that show was in black and white, right? Yeah, yeah. That, they would um, film it for that. Sometimes they would film that way. But more often than not, they would just color code it correctly so that certain colors would stand out for the black and white. But they ended up shooting in color Maybe about this season or something. About yeah, about like halfway through their run, they started shooting in color. So, but most TVs at that point like didn't even have like the color component on them. So, if you were lucky enough to see it in color, you saw it in color first run. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you were seeing it afterwards. Um, if you're a Hayao Miyazaki fan. Studio Ghibli, uh, the collected works of him are on Blu-ray. So let me look here. I know you're getting spirited away in uh, Princess Mononoke, but it also has, I think, The Wind Rises there. It's all pixelated, so I'm trying to... Uh, you got Howl's Moving Castle, you got Ponyo. Um, yeah, it's too low res. Uh, I'm going to guess Castle in the Sky. Um, it's probably in there. Tales of Earthsea, maybe. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve disc set. It's really beautiful. It's got an art book. Uh, comes in a big white box. Um, one, two, three, four, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, eleven movies. Eight, Sweet. nine, ten. Yeah, really beautiful uh, collector set there. If you're a Japanese animation fan, or even a story t- like uh, Pixar's always said they model like they got a lot of their inspiration from how to t- tell stories from Miyazaki. From, from so. Miyazaki's camp, yeah. yeah. So if you're a Pixar fan, you'll probably enjoy that too. There's another edition of Iron Man 3 coming out, re-release. There's also the Apu trilogy on the Criterion. See that, yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, good for all of our alt-cinema fans out there like Steve Bissett. All, right. all of our cinema snobs. He said, hey, remember what he said at that show, there's no such thing as bad cinema. I didn't say it as bad. It's, no, it's good. It's cinema, like if it was Ryan, Ryan was here, he'd call cinema, cinema, cinema snobs. snobs. <laughs> uh, speaking of Criterion, there's uh, In Cold Blood. Truman Capote's In Cold Blood has a Criterion edition. Oh, that's the first movie version of um, uh, of that particular. It was like an award-worthy one yeah. um, that came out. Um, I'm guessing Stream, yeah, Stream Factory. Yeah, it's Stream Factory. They're giving us Troll and Troll 2 on one Blu-ray. So well, a dual set. One is much more... They're not the same... Yeah, one's more special than the other one. <laughs> it's a franchise, but it's not. Like, yeah. It's, it's, Troll uh, 2 is not a sequel. 
Troll Two is only a, a name. Troll Two is a special child and must be taken care of at several intervals throughout the day. <laughs> if you want to know what we're talking about, just go watch a movie called Best Worst Movie. And explain everything. That the the dentist in that movie uh, is one of my favorite characters in a movie of all time. Yeah. Oh, by far. <laughs> I love how enthusiastic he gets about it. At the end of the day, he just wants to be a dentist. Um. Let's see. I think that's it. I mean, there's a lot of concert blu-rays and documentary stuff hold on still going fdr american badass has a blu-ray oh finally the the blu-ray of fdr american badass (laughs) there was one up there that i wanted to see ticked off trannies with knives ticked off trannies that's one that's the one you wanted to see um Selma? I thought that was already out. There must be like non-special features Blu-rays listed in here. Uh, Oh, I guess there's a DVD extended edition set of the Hobbit trilogy, so if you haven't made the switch to Blu-ray yet, you're still covered. Uh, The Stanford Prison Experiment? Ah, the best movie of the year. Yeah. Best movie of the year. It looks like a DVD release. They'll probably get it on Blu-ray eventually. Um, we are your friends as <laughs> a DVD release, which, um, if you haven't heard of, uh, what we've been working on lately, we've been working on something called Raveheart <laughs> and, uh, all my inspiration for writing the initial script for it came from the trailer for, um, uh, we are your friends <laughs> and, um, and the trailer for Braveheart, of course, cause that's what it needed to be there, but. You, you have to admit, like when we visually did that trailer, like we were, we were, making fun of the way they dressed in that movie oh yeah extensively <laughs> rave culture's funny yeah rave culture's funny hipster culture's funny yeah. we make fun of everybody there's no discrimination like yeah, everybody's South Park style everyone's got a target on their back yeah, that's it you said you saw s- I oh. thought I saw something um, sorry was there a boardwalk empire go back up there really quickly no I'm just kidding I guess uh, I guess it's eh, it's whatever yeah you go, as always, you can go to digitalbits.com, look at the list yourself in case there's anything that we miss that you wish you'd uh, we'd said, whatever. There might be some Warner Archive uh, DVDs or Blu-rays that you can check out there. I'm promoting those guys now because Warner Archive is giving me all my favorite 40s and 50s films in nice collector's editions to have. Like, no real special features or anything, but mm-hmm. honestly, for these particular particular films, unless... Roger Ebert was still alive to do a commentary on him. You know, I would, I, I wouldn't need anything like that. So, anyway, I, I'm impressed they're even like doing Blu-ray editions of their archive stuff. Like, I did not expect them to do that. So, um, there's a segment that we usually start the show out with. That I totally spaced. Oh yeah, what's playing at the Alamo? Hello. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Maltin. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Christopher Mintz-Bloss. I'm Martin Starr. Welcome to the Alamo Draft House. Last time I saw you, I played it cool. Now someone's been I'm right telling you right up front. Burn off your cell phone. Don't talk. Don't text. Don't build a birdhouse. Don't be a Foley artist. Quit asking your girlfriend what she had on her salad. Okay, is it your living room? If you talk or text during this film, I will punch you. Oh! You can find out who they are and then go cut their tongue out. Have a good watch. Bye. 
want me to say? Will you release me now? Well, I'm glad you asked, Zach. Uh, starting on Monday, Draft House Films presents Dangerous Men. Do you know about Dangerous Men? I have no idea what Dangerous Men is, but uh, knowing that it's a Draft House Selects film means that I will definitely want to check it out. Uh, it looks like some film probably from the 70s or 80s that they have, I guess, restored. They've done that before with uh, picks to, like Scorsese's done critical acclaim of these Australian films that they've re-released as well. Yeah, it looks like an action film, uh, kind of maybe in the vein of Samurai Cop, but... <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little bit more prestigious. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that. Uh, uh, Alamo recommends that highly. Uh, Ghost in the Shell, there's a new movie. Is uh, it just, Is it the one that's called Ghost in the Shell, the new movie? The new movie, yeah. <laughs> Which is really direct. <laughs> it's the new movie. And it looks like the animation, like art from the TV show that they had like on Adult Swim and stuff. But... Um, I don't know. I there's no description for it, so okay. Uh, it's, it's just it's just the new movie, so I might check that out. Um, I don't know. Uh, let's see. There's the Roger Waters the Wall. All in all, we must go see that brick in the wall. <laughs> so if you're a Pink Floyd fan, <laughs> check that out. So that's Monday. Uh, Tuesday, you can. You got another chance to see Dangerous Men. Uh, there's a feast of Gangs of New York, uh, Scorsese film from the early aughts, and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the uh, original, is playing from 1974. At 9:45, and it looks like it's going to be uh, an interesting screening. Have you watched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I have not seen the original. It is. I, I mean, I I like the remake enough, but that original one is so visceral like it's 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 hard to watch yeah that's what i've heard it's really good um, um there's also a mocking j double feature for all you hunger games fans out there for what's coming up next week they're on gonna Friday? do a, yeah they're gonna do oh. a um yeah i'm going day by day oh you, or, no it's on wednesday oh it is on wednesday look at that yeah so oh yeah because okay well what's mocking j is one of the one we haven't seen yet so what's the other one mocking j part two Oh, so you get to. Oh, oh, so this comes out on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. Um, and then there's Science Friction, which is showing Naked Lunch. Have you seen Naked Lunch? I haven't seen it, but all <laughs> my reference is from The Simpsons, where. Uh, what's. Uh, oh my God, it's been so long. The bully. Uh, Nelson. Nelson. They go to the movie theater, and like, the kids are skipping the class, and they go see Naked Lunch, and they leave, and they say, I can think of two things wrong with that title. <laughs> So they're they're so disappointed that they saw an art film instead of what they, yeah. Word of advice: If you are like Nelson Muntz, do not go see <laughs> Naked Lunch. This, this is the '90s, so kids were still probably getting their movie titles from newspapers. You remember the joke where they're like, oh, "We're going to go see an R-rated movie. It's called Barton Fink." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then on Thursday, which um, Dangerous Men, I guess, is playing all through the week, so we'll just stop repeating that. And Mile High Sci-Fi is showing the last Starfighter. If you're not familiar with Mile High Sci-Fi, that's where, like it's, like, it's like Mystery Science Theater, but with Denver comedians. And if you're not familiar with The Last Starfighter, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's Thursday's schedule, and Friday is just, all, all this weekend is just going to be the end of the Hunger Games, finally. Yeah, the end of an era. Yeah. The end of Donald Sutherland playing. Actually, since our thing kind of runs into Sunday... Like we won't get to the next schedule till Monday. So afternoon tea on Sunday is Anna Kar- 
Anna Karenina. Karenina, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like the 2012 version and Mondo X Chiller, which I kind of want to do because they ha- like they give out cool swag mm-hmm. for Friday the 13th, which is Ryan and I's kind of <laughs> horror movie. Which I was always so disappointed that Hockey Face Jason wasn't in it, but it's still a good movie. But it has it has spoiler alert. It has two great things about it. It has the old man with the warning. It's got to death curse. <laughs> And doomed, doomed, <laughs> doomed. And it also has Betsy Palmer's, uh, the late Betsy Palmer from this year, her uh, amazing yeah. award-worthy performance, if we're talking about Fangoria, the award-worthy performance uh, as Mrs. Voorhees. His name is Jason, and today is his birthday. Killer, mommy. Killer. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to go and say it just because it's like on Monday, so it's not that far off either. Uh, Hot Fuzz is a free screening. At 10 p.m. So IFC presents Hot Fuzz, the Edgar Wright blood and ice cream middle movie classic. If you haven't seen Hot Fuzz, again, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. If you uh, if you think Bad Boys is silly as much as I do, then you're going <laughs> to love, love Hot, Hot Fuzz. Fuzz. Uh, Simon Pegg, uh, Nick Frost, Edgar Wright. Good stuff. Yeah. Hilarious. And that's pretty much it that's for the Alamo. That's the Alamo for next week, so. Yeah. What's All next, right. Zach? Uh, let's do box office. Okay, so <laughs> please tell me that my $100 million prediction for Spectre was was correct. You were close, 70 million. That was 30 million off. Yeah. And I think Ryan was spot on. Yeah, 70 million for Spectre followed by 44 million for Peanuts, followed by 9 million for The Martian. Um and then everything else just kind of trails off into the 6 millions. Um so uh for this coming weekend it's Mockingjay. Um is there anything else competing with it? I don't think so. I don't think anybody's stupid enough to do that. If I was running a studio, I wouldn't. Well, we can just ask. Uh, we can just ask Twentieth Century Fox when they tried to predict uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks road trip up against the Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and Bridge of Spies also took uh, fourth place with uh, five million. Uh, oh, there actually is quite a bit coming out against Mockingjay. Uh, a lot limited release legend with Tom Hardy playing two roles I want to see but yeah. it's only in four theaters so I'll probably miss that for a little while but yeah uh, yeah, it's, it's the Hunger Games so I'm going to guess 100 and I'll go 120 I'm going to go I'm only going to go 130 not to be a dick but I just think it'll make more than 120 because <laughs> it is the last one and every it always seems like the last one always seems to make the most chunk of change. Okay. For the most part, like Harry Potter did that kind of. Right. Where it made like over a billion dollars for the final installment. So. Uh, cool. I'm going to revise my uh, choice. I'm going to go 180. 180. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I didn't um, want to do that price is right where <laughs> yeah. it's just like 780, 781. <laughs> what, you were saying you. one uh, 131. That's my revision. Suck <laughs> it, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So no, that was, 180. That was box office. Oh, and um, I think Spectre will fall off like 50%. Oh, yeah. That's how it works these days. Yeah. So moving on, I guess we would talk about what we watched this week. Are either one of these any good? Sir, 
What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Brad, what did you watch this week? Uh, well, this week is kind of a mishmash. I don't know. I'm kind of lost because I've been around a lot and I just kind of sporadically watch things. So I'm just going to like pull whatever I think of first. I watched some Gotham. Okay. How do you like Gotham two. so far? Um, you know, I've embraced the fact that it's a little si- no, it's a lot silly. Um, <laughs> it's it's not the hardcore detective show that I, I was hoping for, but it can't be because it's on Fox. It's on network TV, so that's not going to happen. Um, but it's it's still entertaining, and I'm sticking with it. Um, it's just you know, I have to. Not that I'm a stickler for the comics, but they have made changes to a lot of the mythology to suit their needs. So, but it works in the context of the show, so that's fine. I, I don't mind. It's 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 always interesting interesting to see, uh, you know, an old property and have people tweak it a little bit, like um. Give it the new twist and kick that yeah. they think it deserves. Which, when you're doing a prequel saga, basically, you know, basically we already know where everyone comes from if you read the comic book, so there's no surprises. But the fact that they're, you know, Gordon's wife is... In this series, they make her like a murderer. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And Spoiler he alert. <laughs> instead of ending up with her, he's kind of dating uh, Leslie Tompkins, the doctor in the you know batman lore so they're changing so they're changing up some relationships trying to keep it as fresh as possible and uh that makes me think that maybe you know there's some villains that should survive to meet batman that maybe won't make it through gotham you know um because the penguin keeps getting away with like (laughs) oh that penguin (laughs) yeah and it seems like they're setting up the court of owls storyline so how well did they do the penguin on it because i haven't watched a, a lick of this show oh he's great and actually um like he got a lot of screen time and like the first season was really about his rise yeah to power um and now uh does he go quack 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 (laughs) no he he has like a limp uh a bum leg and like he has no like burgess meredith quacking thing it's just like but he's very like neurotic and like he has a short fuse so like he will just snap and like murder people um on a whim if they piss him off enough, so uh, no, it's it's a very, I think it's a very cool take on the penguin. Okay, um, it's one of the highlights of the show because uh, there's not a lot to play with um, yet. They're building, they're still building, and then um, the the Riddler, uh, he's like in this season, he's finally getting more attention because he's finally in the first season, he's more of just a straightforward crime scene investigator, mm-hmm. um, forensics evidence guy and now he's finally like having schizophrenic episodes so he's finally changing into uh the riddler so he's is he fin- called edward nigma on the show mm-hmm. okay yeah. awesome i know it's weird like sometimes in the comics he was eddie nash and uh never quite i don't know if they've ever really explained that they never settled on who he really is yeah okay. i think it was eddie nash but like in the 90s when they were doing batman forever and stuff in the the animated series i think someone came up with Enigma, and it's like a cooler name for that character than <laughs> it is a cooler name yeah. for for that character. But I think in the forties and fifties or whatever, I think you started as Eddie Nash, which is a typical forties name, really. Yeah. What's your name, Eddie Nash? Good to meet you, Mister Nash. <laughs> we'll promote you to the president of the company. Um, and then uh, uh, maybe I'll say this for when Ryan's here, but I saw the first episode of Ash vs Evil Dead. I saw the first uh, uh, episode of Ash vs Evil Dead as well on my what what we watched list. Oh, okay. Um, um, we'll say that to the end then if okay. you want to talk about it. Yeah. 
Um, I re- I rewatched. Uh, so Jean Claude Van Damme's Dan Van had its one year anniversary of its premiere uh, on Tuesday. Snapping the fingers. Yeah, little little mini claps. <laughs> um, so that night I had to watch something Van Damme, and I pulled out Sudden Death, which just came out on Blu-ray. Oh, nice! The hockey one. That's where he fights. It's kind of the the biggest inspiration of that movie. It's the prequel to Twenty Four, really. When you think about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. It's even got Powers Booth. Yeah. Um, How does it still hold up from uh, uh, when you last saw it? Because I was on one of the episodes when you reviewed it the first time. It's still just delightful 90s ridiculousness. (laughs) I mean, uh, I I was reading IMDb trivia, Uh and I watched the movie. I didn't even notice that Powers Booth's character name doesn't even show up in the movie. (laughs) Like, he's just terrorist you know <laughs> no one ever calls him by his name he's just like the bad guy and uh there's like terrible dialogue in it and i mean apparently according to the trivia it was written as a comedy by someone who was part of a hockey franchise mm-hmm. and so they said the script to hollywood hollywood butchered it turned it into this made it serious action thing and it made it an instant classic <laughs> yeah but it's supposed to be a parody of hockey um <laughs> I guess through the perspective of a guy who who worked there. So um, that's why he fights the Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins mascot, and kills him in a dishwasher. Nice. So, um, yeah, so it's it's fun. It's um, I, I think I might do, like, a commentary on it because there's so, just, like, some ridiculous things to pick out. Like, uh, early on in the movie when the terrorists are trying to, like, infiltrate the stadium – they stop these two employees. And remind me again, is he a firefighter or is he a policeman? He's a firefighter, and I, I think I got it wrong last time I talked about it. Um, he, The movie starts out like there's a fire, and he's already trapped under debris in the fire, and he's holding a little girl in his arms, um, and she's still alive, and then he's like yelling for his firefighter buddies to come pull him out. And just before those guys get to him, the roof collapses on him, and in a kind of comical way, like just a light dusting of debris falls on him. And then like the dust sweeps away and the girl is just like the little girl is just staring up with her eyes open. Oh, God. <laughs> and he thinks he's, she's still alive and then she doesn't respond. And it's kind of I mean, obviously, narratively, it's terrible. But the way it ex- executed on screen, it just looks kind of silly. It's way too convenient for it, just the kid's expression, and everything. It just mm-hmm. doesn't like and. It didn't seem like anything could have killed her, you know, other than, like, he crushed her under his own weight. Because um, he's, like, laying on the ground, so he's got her under his arms, and I'm guessing that he just kind of, like, <laughs> just crushed her. <laughs> like, when the debris fell on him, like, he just kind of turtled up and then I, I, I'm crushed, trying to remember you know, squished it. her. I'm trying to remember it, but, yeah, this is... So, yeah, he he's traumatized by it, and then... Uh, you know, stops being a firefighter and becomes a security for, which uh, like he's security, but he also ends up doing like maintenance jobs for the stadium. So like changing light bulbs and things. So which his kids are like embarrassed about. <laughs> yeah, sweet. So yeah, um, Van Dam fun, silly. The helicopter, Powers Booth tries to escape in a helicopter at the end, and um. Van Damme messes with the controls and then it falls through the stadium ceiling onto the ice and it's so slow. 
um, and it's clearly like a miniature. It's it's pretty funny. And they're like looking at each other, like Powers Blues is screaming out the window, and Van Damme's laying on the the ceiling of the <laughs> stadium, looking back at him as Powers Booth is just is just screaming as he goes down at like two miles an hour. <laughs> like he could have jumped out, like before the helicopter hit the ice, and probably survived. Yeah, but instead he just he just, <laughs> just chooses that kind to of go. Time. He has to go out like the '90s villain, which is just like like Hans Gruber can't try to grab onto yeah. another part of the building. <laughs> it's just this prolonged death scene. Um, and at one point his, his daughter falls, like he kidnaps his daughter and takes her up to the scaffolding Mm -hmm. and she falls through a trap door in the ceiling and she's hanging there. And Van Damme, instead of like running to get his daughter, he just continues to fight Powers Booth and the girl crawls up, (laughs) back up to the ledge herself under her own power. You can take care of yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then because, uh, I saw Spectre last week and didn't get to talk about it, um, I also watched Skyfall to I haven't seen it in a while so I wanted to just like remember was it as good as I remembered and it's a good movie still but um, it's not without its convenience and ridiculousness yeah um, not as much as Spectre but there's still like that's really that was really easy for you know um, Silva to do or Bond to get to um, but Spectre um, I enjoyed I think it's a very good, like, greatest hits homage to all the Roger Moore movies. Um, yeah, kind of. Like, there's so many little nods. I don't know if you've watched all. I think I've watched 24 of the 25. I've watched 15 or 16 of them. Yeah. Uh, most of them have been the Connery ones, and then I've watched scattered ones. Like, I've seen the two Timothy Dalton ones. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Like, Spectre kind of felt like a... Like, there was definitely an homage to the Connery era with Blofeld, mm-hmm. and then even the Roger Moore era with Blofeld. Even the Lazaby one, the fact that Bond drives away with the girl. Yeah. Is, that's when Bond it's, got married. It's pure out of, uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I... Mrs. I Bond. Need... <laughs> Welcome, James. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I, so there's a little less to that, like, and then, like, the whole ski sequence is, I think, uh, it might be Moonraker. Which one? There's a no. It's uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service too. Like the whole snow. Uh, oh, the skiing one. Yeah, the headquarters up in the the ski mountain, whatever. Like, um, so I think that's the Telly Savalas Blofeld. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's that homage. Like that whole sequence is kind of a reboot of that, and then um, the the base felt like a desert version of, of the, the island in Doctor No. Okay, yeah. For me, at least, like it. Felt I thought it was like more the volcano from "You Only Live Twice," but that tr- that too, yeah, that too. Like it's it, in a crater. It felt like it. a natural bond compound. Like e- everything from like you must get dressed in these special clothes in order to attend the dinner with the, like it almost felt like a greatest hits of Austin Powers too. Now that mm. I think about it, where just like everything that Austin Powers points out mm. is here in this movie. It's been about 20 years. People have kind of forgotten where these movies came from initially. Yeah. There's a whole Simpsons. That whole Simpsons episode with Scorpio that's kind of based on all these tropes. Um, <laughs> Scorpio. Too. So um, it's, it's come full circle that now Bond is kind of... <laughs> you, know, you remember which country that make... bon- Homer wanted to bomb, right? Italy or France? <laughs> France. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever says Italy. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so now Bond is trying to make those jokes serious, but I think it's unfortunate because I feel like it's a step backward 
because uh, that's the whole the whole setup for from Casino Royale out on is to make Bond a more modern day hero. Um, He's more of an assassin than a spy. Yeah, like hard hard nosed assassin, um, and they're just uh, with this movie they're they're just kind of forming him back into that suave um, ladies man type spy when he doesn't need to be like like the movie even says uh, spies are obsolete in this when we have like all this surveillance stuff yeah um and this, so they should have just made him more of a brute and um or they should have just completely thrown the thing in back into the 1960s and done it that way <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah or it should have been man from uncle according to you or james yeah <coughs> um, or james yeah james is the one who's like uh yeah, just like kind of silly things. Like the fight on the train is brutal, but after they get uh, Hinks off the off the train, and uh, Bond has taken a ton of brutal hits in that fight uh, when he's sitting with Madeline and driving to the compound. Mm-hmm. No bruises on his face, <laughs> <laughs> completely fine. Um, and then, of course, that you know. She starts out being a strong character, but after that fight, they're like, what do you want to do next? And they end up, like, <laughs> getting it on. Yeah, it, it was, that was very from Russia with love. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so just, like, it was like an Austin Powers thing. Yeah. Um. So after this great, like, fight sequence, and then the car chase, there was a point where I was sitting there going, like, are we still doing this? Like, there's, I didn't see any new inventive shots. Like, it's just more of, like, turning corners. It's, it, I almost felt like I was watching Jean-Claude Van Damme's Dan Van's car chase, <laughs> where it's just, like... We turn another corner. We turn another corner. You should be thankful. Sam Mendes is now taking advice from Brad Haig, guys. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, look, I know we've done all the best car chases in the world. What if we surprise them with one of the worst? Yeah. <laughs> and they have that fun, like, insert with, like, the, the bystander trying to drive and he gets pushed into his spot. But yeah. um, overall, there's just some point out that they're going like, wow. I did they're... like the ejector seat, though. Yeah. I, I always like the ejector seat bit because yeah. I'm just like, that's classic Bond <laughs> right there. I don't know. I'm torn because... I get what you're saying on how they want to reboot it and how it needs to be rebooted into this more dangerous killer type aspect. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, one of the reasons I love Skyfall is because they were able to meld in the elements of classic Bond in there, like bringing in a male M and bringing in Money Penny and doing all these things. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh my God, that's so cool. That's the thing is, when, like in Skyfall, I felt like when they didn't introduce M and Q or Money Penny and Q, uh, they didn't feel like updates of what we'd already seen before they felt like fresh characters mm-hmm. um but something about this one it seems like um all those things like gadgets and stuff were all still you know like in skyfall they had the thing where you give spawn the gun it's like well it's just a gun the only special thing is it reads your fingerprint but in this one he like he gives it gives it uh, a watch to him but the watch is actually a bomb <laughs> so it's still like a little crazy far-fetched um, and it's not even like set up and then paid off right. Like I thought it was just to watch the whole movie, and suddenly, out of necessity, it's a bomb for that scene. So they don't even do the. Yeah, did I, yeah, miss, right. did I miss something? Did you like? I don't remember that? him being like. And then this watch will give you. Yeah, he just says like, it tells the time. Yeah, tells the time. Yeah, but all of a sudden, like. But maybe that was like a, a riddle from from Q. Like this new Q gives riddles or something. I guess I don't know. Um, and I will say that first uh, sequence in Mexico City. Um, walking around shot. is pretty sweet. Um, a little obvious at screen screen, and the, and the helicopter chase is a little bit like 
the car chase where it kind of like dips back and forth a little too much mm-hmm. um could have been shorter but still pretty amazing that it's all mostly one shot you know uh pretty creative yeah. um and also like the i think the sound the music at that point if i'm remembering remembering correctly wasn't the best opening Bond song, but it was... Oh, no, no, not the... Uh, I was talking about the music while he's walking around in oh, Mexico City. Oh, okay. Um, there was, like, some music cue that I, I thought was... But I might be thinking of a different movie now I think about it. But anyway, uh, yeah, the Bond song isn't that great, but I thought the octopus graphics were pretty... The Spectre, uh, yeah, the Spectre yeah. logo. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I think it's getting, like, really harsh criticism, but, again, it's, I'd agree it's, like, a step back and... Um, totally worth a watch i'll probably watch it again um and then christoph waltz is great in it um i hope we get did you really think i was that great in it brad (laughs) (laughs) and actually uh shout out to myself calling it that i predicted he was related to well blofeld like I don't think anyone didn't think he was going to be Blofeld, but... Am I the only one who didn't think he was Blofeld until the very end? (laughs) You might be. Um, But, like, I think on the podcast you guys said that in Skyfall there was no allusion to... Him being a brother? Not that I can remember. Well, I rewatched Skyfall. I'm pretty sure, like, when he goes to Skyfall, um, there's a photo that Bond looks at that has, like... It's the same photo, but, like, there's a thumbprint or something over the... Or like part of the photo is missing. I'm, I'm, that photo has been seen before. It wasn't just the inspector. So um, they were setting that up ahead of time. Okay, I I, I don't remember it. I'll have to watch it again. Which I remember seeing Skyfall being like, ooh, um, who's that person that they're not showing in the photograph, and it doesn't come to play in Skyfall. And then in this one, I was like, oh, that's probably because obviously it's in Skyfall. He's related to Bond, and we'll probably. Yeah, and then when they showed it in the Spectre trailer, I was like, oh, okay, Blofeld's going to be related to Bond, <laughs> which is a... No, that just reminded me of the whole finale where Malin Swan's, like... Like, I don't even know how Bond finds her. Like, it was so convenient that she was in the room right next to that blown-out... Bond logic. Yeah. Um, so, and he totally should have shot Blofeld. Uh, <laughs> There's no reason for him to like. Yeah, I, I, that that would have been a nice uh, back to one from Casino Royale. Yeah, because like this seemed like the end of his. He's been hunting all these guys down for the longest time. From that movie, from. Uh, yes, please. Um, so yeah, Spectre. Awesome. I think it's good. It's, it's not a travesty. Okay. <laughs> it's it's only the the third best of the four, but. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, do, I would do Casino Royale, Skyfall, Spectre, Quantum of Solace. Okay. So Quantum of Solace, still the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really just filler. <laughs> Much like Mockingjay. <laughs> yeah. Zach, what did you watch? What did I watch? Um, well, I didn't watch uh, Spectre again, um, but I did like Spectre. I, I still maintain it's a decent Bond movie for what it is. Um I watched a lot of riff tracks, and um, the I don't think there's anything better in this world than watching the Twilight riff tracks when you are very, very low in your life. If you're having a depressing day, just watch that and realize that there are much worse things out there. <laughs> um, one of the best gags in it is uh, they're doing pauses because I watched all four, uh, all four of them uh, in a row. 
or all all four of the Twilight. Um, are there five? All, five of them. Sorry, yeah, five of the Twilight riff oh, tracks. Zach, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I was feeling sad that day, and uh, I don't think I've seen any. No, I saw New Moon. Damn it! The, but I I watched them all with the riff tracks, and there's a great bit where they're doing pauses, and uh, uh, Mike Nelson just goes like, uh, uh, "Trying. It's not that damn hard." <laughs> Like it, it, and uh, they do all the classic tropes of like ladies and stuff like that. Like it's classic MST3K, which leads me to my second thing. I watched a lot of MST3K reruns. Nice. Uh, the best episode still being Santa Claus, the Mexican Santa Claus episode, because <laughs> um, there's a great bit where letters are pouring onto Santa, and Tom Servo just goes, "There's a dollar in every one. My chain letter <laughs> scam worked." <laughs> uh. <laughs> that along with. Uh, um, uh, there's a there's a scene where there's um, it's basically it's this Mexican Santa movie about Santa versus the devil, and they're fighting for the soul of this little Mexican girl. But at the beginning, they show uh, a small world kind of uh, United Nations of children and like different things, and he's playing a pipe organ <laughs> to it, <laughs> and they keep going into different countries and like. It gets more offensive and more offensive down the line. <laughs> like it's just really funny. Um, and then speaking of MSC3, we oh, probably should have done this in news. But speaking of MSC3K, we didn't talk about their uh, Kickstarter campaign. That's right. If you go to MSC3K, hashtag bring back MSC3K. Yeah, hashtag bring a, bring back MSC3K. They're trying to bring back the show yep. for twelve new episodes. Well, minimum three. Minimum three. And they need two million dollars to do it. So if you can go on to MST3K and make a donation, help them reach their goal, I um, want new episodes. I've been wanting this bad for a while. If they get to $5.5 million, they'll do the 12 episodes. So I'm going to try and – if you talk, I'm going to try and find out uh, what they're up to because last time I checked, they were at $1.5 So Okay. Looks like we're probably going to get at least three. Um, so uh, Ryan loaned me the Looney Tunes Golden Collection, and I'm – trying to write a couple of different films right now and uh looney tunes has something to do with something that i'm trying to write um not directly for any copyright intensive purposes i'm not trying to do that um but uh, i decided to watch the looney tunes golden collection volumes one and two and um they restored like it's still on dvd so it's not a full blu-ray transfer but those cartoons never looked better uh than in these collections did we find the update yeah, sorry, I was blowing a hair off my phone. Uh, yeah, they're up to 1.7 million. Okay, so at least we're getting three new yeah, episodes. 28 days to go. Yep. Um, so anyway, uh, those cartoons haven't looked better than they do on those golden collections. And I have to imagine they've done a Blu-ray of it at some point. But there's there's cartoons like You Ought to Be in Pictures, which is a black and white one with Leon Schelsinger, the head of the uh, old Shellsinger Studios uh, that produced the Looney Tunes in the film itself, and it's live action and animation, and it, the transfer is beautiful on DVD alone. So if they've done it on Blu-ray, I have to imagine it looks even more stunning. Um, sadly, all I was able to get was the DVDs because um, Ryan hasn't upgraded that one yet, apparently. I actually don't think they have those cartoons on Blu-ray yet. Okay, then never mind, Ryan. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't kill me. Um uh, no, but they all looked good. My favorite one is uh, still Duck Tracy, um, where Daffy Duck's pretending to be Duck, uh, Dick Tracy, <laughs> and uh, like he does stuff like uh, he'll look at the different villains, and they're all 
Bob Clampett was this amazing artist for uh, Looney Tunes who did a uh, uh, very surrealist kind of drawings. And Frank Darabont says this in one of the behind-the-scenes featurettes. If you freeze-frame a Bob Clampett cartoon, he morphs the characters into the mold that they're supposed to be for movement. So each frame is essentially moving around like an anamorphic blob. It's not dun 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 dun. It's <laughs> if I had to describe it in those are technical effects. terms. Yes, these are technical terms for the animators in it's, the house. It's more fluid than um, normal animation uh, at that time was um, outside of the Disney Studio. So um, he does this thing where he does these sketches of these Dick Tracy villains in their literal sense, like. Uh, flat top, pussycat puss, 88 teeth, uh, hammerhead, neon noodle. <laughs> and neon noodle is just a neon sign. And when Daffy Duck rearranges it, he rearranges it to a, a sign that says Eat a Joe's. <laughs> like, it's, I love the Looney Tunes. I love them so much. It's one of the reasons why I was able to forgive Looney Tunes back in action so much because I'm just like, <laughs> we got more Looney Tunes. <laughs> um, anywho, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I watched this week. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So this week we saw Samurai Cop 2. And now, our feature presentation. I guess we're on our main thing. Yeah, we saw, well, one and two. One and two. It was a double feature, but the the new one is the second one. So, Brad, should people go see Samurai Cop 2 and 1? Okay, so one... You should definitely check out at home, probably with friends. Uh, if you saw it by yourself, it probably wouldn't be as funny. Um, it's it's fun to watch with a crowd, like the room. Um, and two, you should, probably shouldn't watch unless you're a fan of the first one. Because <laughs> if you just watch two with no frame of reference, you will just think it's garbage. Um, I don't think people should see Samurai Cop 2. <laughs> Even if they like one? Even if you liked one, it might ruin the experience for you. It's like if they made a room, too, where I'd be like, but I know you're not taking oh this Oh, my God, Zach, we should make the room, too. The room, too. Oh, my God. Let's get Greg Sestero to be in it. <laughs> I'll play Tommy. <laughs> It'll just be like 30 minutes of cameos. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what this movie was. was um, well, anyway, here's a trailer for Samurai Cop 2. We knew this day would come. He has returned. Jumashu? He is our Antichrist, and he must be defeated. Ralph Garman in that movie. Wow. Where did How you come did that from? happen? <laughs> that was funny. Uh, yeah, so Samurai Cop 2 is a continuation of, if you haven't seen the first one, the first one 
I think take, it takes place in Los Angeles, California, as evidenced by that street sign that said Los Angeles on it and not a street name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is funny. Um, where there's a there's warring Yakuza gangs. Um, and Joe Marshall is the samurai cop who's been called in to from who, San Diego. Who looks like Mel Gibson stepped into a weird blender. <laughs> yes. Uh, he and his buddy are basically Merton Riggs. Well, low rent Merton Riggs. Rent a cop version um, of Merton Riggs. Uh, so Joe Marshall gets called in to work with his buddy, um, who is quite oftenly racistly pointed out that he's black. <laughs> um, yeah, in, in some weird gags. Gift. <laughs> yeah. Um, to track down the Yakuza gangs and periodically Joe Marshall will stop and, uh, be invited to have sex with any women in the movie. And, uh, they eventually track down the Yakuza boss and they fight. And then the Yakuza boss has, a uh, one henchman played by Robert Zadar who recently passed away. Yeah. And if you've ever seen any kind of eighties movies, maniac cop, um, he's the guy with the weird chin <laughs> the big face um which i heard uh is a it's an actual thing called cherubism i didn't know that yeah um, um but anyway they yeah he I and his they, buddy they, track down the yakuza yeah they track down the yakuza the second one though i want to describe it now because yeah, describe two two is a bunch of different warring gangs trying to, for some reason... Some of them from the future. Some of them from the I future. Think. Some of them from the past. Some of them from the present. Um, Tommy Wiseau is in neither neither one or the other or the third. <laughs> He's in an, a whole different plane of existence. He is his own existence yeah, in this movie. Can we talk about Tommy for a second? Like That was just the weirdest... That's the best acting he's ever done, <laughs> but... That is also the weirdest character in the movie, and I'm talking about a movie full of weird characters here, like Bai Ling's in the movie, I'm and pretty she's sure. always entertaining. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen her in anything else, uh, but I'm pretty sure the director was like, well, we didn't write any of Tommy's lines, so Tommy, just say whatever comes to mind. <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> Don't stop. Just roll with it. Blood red, Joe. Yeah. Blood red. <laughs> um, but basically, like... Um, Joe Marshall has to come back. He's been a recluse because they set up early in the movie that shortly after the events of the first movie, um, he gets married to that one girl and then she's murdered right in front of Joe like a couple days, weeks later. By the guy who turns out to be Tommy, Tommy Wiseau's, Wiseau's character. character. Yeah. I taught this girl. I had to kill her. Never explained why when he was that young that he was... I, I was expecting that it would come back around and he was ordered to do it, but no... He Doesn't, just randomly decides to kill his wife. Just like Samurai Cop 1, there's a lot of story elements that are missing because it just feels like an incomplete movie. Yeah. So, um, um, And this movie also feels like, obviously in the credits, it was directed by a couple different people. Um, but it definitely feels like it started off strong. And by the end, they were kind of stretching their budget. Yeah. Like trying to get as much as they could done as well as they could and just didn't hit the finish line right so there's a it's a big mess by the end as yeah, they try so to I, I i'd give it like in terms of a bad movie it's it's fun to watch but like i don't 
like spoiler alert, I don't drink anymore. But um <laughs> This made you want to. This kinda made me want to go out and drink. <laughs> uh oh. My bad. Yeah, no, 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 not in a bad way. Like I felt like the only way I could enjoy that film was if I was incredibly inebriated. And since I don't do that anymore, it's just kinda like, well, I have no real de- desire to see this. But if you like to go out drinking and having fun, then you'll love the hell out of this. Yeah, movie. I'd say uh, the only reason you would watch two is if you saw the first one like as a double feature yeah. right before it. And, yeah, if you really like that first one, then yes, watch this one because everything pretty much comes back to uh, reference itself. Mm. Whether it's... Um, yeah, and the other thing about two is, like ha- like I was saying, it kind of changes halfway through. The second half is more of like a cameo fest where they try to fit everyone from the first movie back in some capacity. Like Even villains are suddenly good guys that oh, are helping joe who marshall lost his arm in the first one exactly yeah it's like i'd give you a hand but yes <laughs> yes and then the the one asian guy that he, he kills in the first movie like he has the big kung fu fight with yeah that was a really awkward cameo he's just a spirit yeah who's kind of like why? on joe's side for some reason yeah so so yeah samurai cop 2 i wouldn't um I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. I, 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 we also forgot to tell the story of the reason Samurai Cop 2 even exists is because it's born of a Kickstarter campaign. Right, um, which you donated to. Which I donated to, so I'll be getting a Blu-ray copy of it, pristine, <laughs> best version of the movie uh, eventually. But, yeah, someone was a big enough fan of the first one to encourage all those people to come back and do it. And I'd say good effort. I mean, obviously it's not... Oh yeah, watch, there's no such but... thing as a bad movie, but um, there are such things as movies that you don't need to watch. I, I applaud that they tried. Yeah, um, it was a good, good effort, and it was cool that they were able to get as many people back as they did. But yeah, I guess it would have benefited from like I don't want to say money is always the solution to these things, but I felt like I don't know what I don't know how they spent their money, but. Um, <laughs> I, I I wish I could remember how much they actually did get, but maybe if they had like another two million or something, they could have had a decent ending. Yeah, gone all out. Yeah, and even though they kind of set it up that there might be actually a third one. <laughs> oh yeah, they with, left it uh, open with one of the uh, one of the henchmen is revealed to be like, uh, "You haven't seen the last of me, Samurai Cop." And yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, cool. Yeah, it's it. interesting it episode from the Village Inn. Our checks have arrived, and oh, uh, they're here for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I was um, trying to make it seem like we ate, it did it over the course of a meal. But you ruined the illusion. Uh, I always ruin things. Um, That's what I do. What are you guys seeing next week? Probably the Hunger Games. Yeah, which I wouldn't, but I've seen all the others, so I might as well wrap it up. I I'm not a fan. I, Zach. I know, I know, and I'm not going to be able to convince you. Uh, I can only say that I find them more entertaining than I initially did. Like I've learned learned to love them over time. So I thought the second one was better than the first one, and then it just went back down again for me. But yeah, maybe the new one will rise up. We'll see. Maybe they'll finally do something smart. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Until next week. Until next week. Bye. Suck my balls, Ryan. <laughs>
for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.